Have you really experienced the south of New Zealand, the classic worlds of Invercargill, the small town charms of Gore, and the wildlife wonders of Stewart Island? Well, on this edition of Kiwi Tripsters, we're flying the flags for Southland and why you need to make a trip to the deep south. Welcome back to Kiwi Tripsters. Buckle up and take off to spectacular destinations as we continue our journey and share the inside word on all things travel. Whether it's luxury travel or backpacking on a budget, whether it's cruising or foodie trips, we've got you covered with top tips and tricks so you can have an amazing travel experience. And now, over to your hosts, Mike Yardley and Chris Lynch. Welcome aboard to a fresh and new edition of Kiwi Tripsters. I'm Chris Lynch. Good to see you, Chris. I'm Mike Yardley. Very good to be with you. It is good to be here. And on this edition, we are celebrating all things in the Deep South, the Deep Divide or the Deep Dive, if you like, with the best things in Southland. And I've got to be honest with you, Mike, I haven't been to Invercargill in years so, I want a bit of an education lesson today. They've been waiting for you, Chris, for years. They've thought, when is Mr Lynch actually ever going to make it to the southern city? It really is quite a distinct New Zealand city, Chris. And um, what I love about Invercargill is that great dogged spirit of the south is ever-present in Invercargill. They've got these crazy wide boulevards in their central city, massively wide boulevards, as if they're expecting a royal parade to arrive well, they might into be. town. Well, you never know. Um, but you'll be equally struck by the makeover to the central city that is currently underway. Um, only the Christchurch recreation post-quake, I think, could match it in terms of how massive the redevelopment of the oh, city wow. centre currently is. So, yeah, they've got this major retail development uh, finally underway. The city's biggest calling card, I think, is the fact that Invercargill beckons like a national garage. They have got the most incredibly world-beating collections of classic motorbikes, cars, yeah. domestic machinery, and you'll be truly blown away by the scale and the quality of their collections. Okay, we better kick things off with, I know about this, Bill Richardson's Transport World. This is the biggie. It struts an entire block of Tay Street, mm. and they've got this purpose-built Art Deco building which houses what I think is the runaway jewel in Invercargill's crown. It is so engrossing. This museum doesn't just gleam and groan with trucks, but it's got classic cars, combis, domestic machinery, all sorts of quirky gems. Um, one thing which intrigued me, and I thought perhaps, Chris, we, amongst our families, we might have people who have been in this vehicle, a vintage paddy wagon from the Christchurch Police, circa 1925. That's parked up at Transport World. Um, vintage petrol bowsers, Invercargill's first passenger bus. They've got a vintage four-square truck, which is so cool, and even the original yellow mini that featured in Goodbye, uh, Goodbye Pork Pie. That's pretty cool. Now, Bill's daughter runs Transport World now. Yes. Um, the father, Bill, died in 2005. She took up the reins straight afterwards and... And she really has taken it to the next level. You could easily spend half a day within this storehouse of collectibles, which are so beautifully displayed. But there are all sorts of other amazing touches that Jocelyn has been uh, responsible for. They've got the most amazing themed bathrooms. So the hand basins, for example, have been reworked with petrol pump replica <laughs> hand basins. Um, and in the gents' bathroom, you can stand in front of a gleaming window overlooking the gathered crowds in the showroom floor. It's one way 
play glass, so you are safe if you are answering a call of nature. Um, by the way, when I was last there, the latest uh, edition is the Cadbury Collection. And of course, people will know that the Cadbury factory in Dunedin um, went pear-shaped a couple of years ago, oh, yeah. thanks to Mondelez. But they managed to salvage a huge trove of memorabilia from Dunedin before its closure, which is all now showcased at Transport World. Um, and they've got this current exhibition on at the moment, celebrating 60 years of VW Combi vans. Well, that'll be popular. Yeah, absolutely. I know a lot of people who are obsessed with those. Oh, absolutely. And they've really sort of focused at Transport World on summer camping. So mm. lots of retro-themed camping That's scenes. That's cool. They've actually got a Combi pool table which I didn't know was created, but they've got one on show at Transport World, which I'm sure will make a lot of people very envious. Everyone, I'm sure, who goes there will want to have that combi pool table. Hey, Transport World also has a motorcycle museum too, doesn't it? They do, yeah, just uh, further down the road. Classic Motorcycle Mecca. So this is um, like the sister exhibition. And once again, you've got a museum-worthy lineup of 300 motorbikes. It's spread across two floors, and their displays run the gamut from a 1902 Peugeot motorbike to a 21st century Sims Corbin Custom. Lots of John Britton motorbikes there, and they've currently got an exhibition devoted to George Beck, who was a famed Invercargill engineer who hand-built a slate of vehicles in his toy shop as part of his uh, glittering career in the motorsport industry. Plus, classic motorcycle maker also has a wonderful tribute gallery to Bert Munro. I was going to mention that. So where else is good for Bert Munro memorabilia. Well, if you want to complete your really good look around Invercargill. Oh, that was poor. I worked on that a while, Chris. Yeah, that was poor. You need to go to E. Hayes Hardware Shop. Now, they've been operating since 1932. And just a side note, E. Hayes, fun fact for you, is New Zealand's largest independent hammer hardware store (laughs) in Invercargill, world famous. And they have one of the nation's biggest private motorworks collections as well. It is headlined by the world's fastest Indian motorbike, uh, Bert Munro's original 1920 Indian Scout. And the amazing thing is about this hardware store, you just walk in, you don't have to pay to see these incredible um, pieces, but amid the shelves of power tools and spanners and nuts and bolts, all sorts of vintage machinery displays um, pepper the store, including the original 1920 Indian Scout of Bert Munro. So you can get right up close to the real original motorbike. Uh, There's also a replica of the prop that was used in the film that you can crawl into so you can imagine, you know, blasting yourself across Utah's salt flats. Is that popular? Oh, the kids go gaga over that, yeah. But yeah, this uh, entire collection is free to admire. No admission fees, no purchases necessary. That is Southern Hospitality Unplugged. Now, any wee treats, any sort of, you know, chocolatey things or something? There's always something good down there. Well, you can't go wrong with chocolate. And they've got this amazing store in Spay Street. Jane Stanton uh, runs the Seriously Good Chocolate Company. And her flavour range is particularly inventive, very patriotic as well. And by that, some of her flavours include Pahutakawa chocolate, Hokey Pokey chocolate, Pavlova, Kiwi fruit, Manuka honey, and Cheese Rolls chocolate, which... 
I don't know if that mm. worked or not. She's also dabbled with bluff oysters and chocolate. No, that's not right. No, I don't know. But good on her for trying. It's an acquired taste. Everyone likes to try. Um, yeah, it's, it's very inventive, as I say. Certainly worth checking out. Well, after saving the trove of the classic wheels in Invercargill Point, the car north uh, for a one-hour trip to Gore, I reckon this town's probably a little bit underrated because, and I say that, well, with no education other than what you were telling me before, you had a great time in Gore. It absolutely punches above its weight. And I love the fact that if ever you want to come across a New Zealand small town with golden-hearted community spirit, I reckon Gore sets the bar. They've got a bustling town centre, lots of welcoming locals who are just so hospitable. Um, And Gore, to me, just embodies the heart and soul goodness of Southland. It's got a country soul and very gentle old school manners. If you're visiting in spring, by the way, the town showpiece rhododendrons will be in full bloom. A lot of people just go to see the rhodos in Gore. Uh, but yeah, it's just an instantly embracing place. The sort of place you arrive in, you rock into town and you think, I feel at home. Is that, do you reckon that there's something about New Zealand, South Island, the further south you go, the kinder the people are, the further Definitely. west you go, the nicer yeah. they are? Yeah. Like yeah. on the west coast. Absolutely. Lovely people. Yeah, that's very true. Now, I know you love your museums, and uh, well, it's there's a museum scene in Gore. Culturally, Gore is quite surprising. First up, I made my way to the Hokanui Moonshine Museum, which is currently um, subject to a multi-million dollar upgrade, which is very ambitious in itself. But um, the curator, Jim Geddes, he gave me a bit of a walkabout uh, through their cultural powerhouse, and they've got some really exciting plans to sort of refresh the city's cultural heart. Uh, The redeveloped museum will include a new distillery, um, and this will give you the opportunity to get a far more immersive and interactive encounter with Gore's history with illicit grog. And the amazing thing about Southland is that illegal distillation began as far back as 1836, and uh, Southland was still a dry area. Prohibition was still in force, with the last prosecution made as recently as the 1950s. So that is just a huge part of the legacy, uh, illicit whiskey distilling and bootlegging. And uh, in the Hokanui Hills, that's where all of this action essentially occurred. But at the museum, you can actually taste um, old Hokanui made to the original recipe as part of your visit. And you'll definitely want to stock up from the gift store at the museum. Probably one of the most unusual gift stores at a museum in New Zealand where, you know, they're selling grog. Hokanui Honey Moonshine Liqueur. It is absolutely divine. So it's a liquor store that masquerades as a a museum. Nothing wrong with that. Sounds good to me. (laughs) Um, What about the Eastern Southland Gallery? This is incredible. Right across the road. And this is a tractor beam for art lovers. It's dubbed Gorgenheim, playing on the word Guggenheim. Right. And this national arc of priceless art is what lures many Aucklanders to Gore simply to visit this gallery. The reason? It houses the international art collection of Dr. John Money, who was actually a lifelong friend of Janet Frame. He was based in Baltimore in the States, right? But he just had this passion for New Zealand art. Mm. And he became a patron for the likes of Rita Angus. Um, and prior to his death, Money bequeathed his 300-strong collection of pieces 
to Gore. Um, and inspired by his benevolence, a variety of New Zealand artists followed suit, including Ralph Hotory. And the amazing thing about the ESG, or Eastern Southland Gallery, is that it has 60 Hotories, which is why it's got such a red-hot reputation on the art map. Um Money had a tendency of not buying any further works off an artist once they had become successful. And in Janet Frame's autobiography, she writes about when she went to stay with him in Baltimore, his home was like this cluttered gallery just heaving with artworks. But yeah, the ESG is truly a blockbuster. Where's a great place to experience some local hospitality, Mike? Well, when I was in town, I caught up with a mate of yours, Chris, and mine, um, Hokanui Radio's breakfast host, Connor Kitto. Famous in Southland. Absolutely. Now, Connor worked with Chris quite a bit on radio in Christchurch before he um, hit the big time in Gore, but we went to the Thomas Green public house and dining room, which mm really is the beating heart of Gore's sort of social scene. You've got a roaring fire, leather couches, fantastic pub fare. It's destination dining there. The really cool thing about this hotel, um, it was in danger of being bold a few years ago to make way for a cookie-cutter spades alehouse, but the owners had the vision to restore this grand old lady who dates back to the 19th century. Good on them. Now, there's also a great aviation museum just out of town, right? Yeah, absolutely. You must stake out the evocative collection of classic aircraft at the Croydon Aviation Museum. It's run by this lovely couple, uh, Maver Smith and her husband, and they've been uh, operating this museum for decades. But they've got the most incredible collection of vintage aircraft. If you've ever wanted to take a thrills and spills joyride in a tiger moth, complete with barrel rolls. No, thank you. But I'll I'll quite happily go on the tiger (laughs) moth, though. They're amazing crafts. Aren't they beautiful? Yeah, Yeah. Um, I had had quite a big day on the whiskey and gore before I made it to the aviation museum. So I had visions of... You know, midair chucking. So I chickened out of the oh, um, tiger moth ride. Well, the barrel rolls and all that Hokanui whiskey. Can't you, can't you just say no to the to the roly poly stuff and just have a nice <laughs> joyous ride over You can actually. You can just take a oh, nice you peaceful have done it. flight. I know, but they've got some really cool aircraft there, including old NACs and Mount Cook scenic flight planes. The oh. best thing of all, an Air Mackie jet, which was like an Air Force trainer jet when we had like a combat strike for a uh, fleet of Skyhawks. So new pilots were training the Air Mackies. And this is just parked up in Croydon, just north of Gore. So Gore has got its own strike fleet of aircraft. <laughs> Don't mess with Gore. That's pretty cool. There's lots of other aircraft, too. a lot of heritage as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. I remember as a kid, I was first fascinated watching planes in the sky when they were NAC aircraft before they got taken over oh, by Air right. New Zealand. You were a bit of a, a plane spotter too, weren't you? I was a total plane spotter. So you can see some old NACs there. Um, but yeah, it's just a magnificent museum. So yeah, go and say g'day to Colin and Mavis Smith, who run the operation. All right. And say g'day to Connor as well. Absolutely, Hokanui Radio. That's right. Yes. Before he gets too famous. That's right. Uh, where's a good place to stay? Well, just out of town, I stayed at a place called the Reservation Gore, which is probably one of the best B&Bs I've ever stayed at in New Zealand. The, the location is catch your breath material. So you're sort of just up on a little hill with the most 
perfect view across Gore, across the Hokanui Hills. Uh, the hosts, Jane and Bruce, are just fabulous when it comes to true Gore hospitality. The star of the show is their sulphur-crested cockatoo called Bart. He's 57 years old. Hang on, human years? Yes. I had no idea they could last that long. They can apparently go through to about 80, maybe longer. He's 57, right? And he knows how to command an audience. So, and and he's quite, he's quite the, um, quite the diva. So when he sees you getting out of your car, he's in his cage just by the car park, he will sort of scream out to you. And if you ignore him, he just goes absolutely berserk. When you walk over to the cage... Bart actually ended up being the highlight of my time in Gore. Yeah. When you go over to the cage. But don't tell that to Connor. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, he, he will just talk and talk and talk to you. But when you walk that's away, cool. then he packs a real hissy fit. So that's absolutely the place to stay. He must be on YouTube. I need yep. to look at this. Just ahead, Mike talks to Emma Hunter from Venture Southlands and will take you deep south to Stewart Island. Stay tuned. Kiwi Tripsters will be right back after this break. Home to the gold guitars, world-famous brown trout fishing and world-class art, Plucky Gore absolutely punches above its weight. Discover the nation's garage in Invercargill, brimming with an astonishing array of classic motorbikes and vehicles. Surrender to nature, unplugged, and the hearty locals in wonderful Stewart Island. It's just the start of Southland's array of attractions. Head to the Great South. SouthlandNZ.com Well, joining us from Invercargill, the Tourism Marketing Manager for Great South, Emma Hunter. Very good to have you aboard, Emma. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Mike. And how are you? Thank you for having me. A pleasure. And it was uh, fabulous to be down on your wonderful part of the world uh, not too long ago. I'm still envious about the size of the blue cod in Stewart Island. I mean, that takes some beating. (laughs) <laughs> oh mate, you can't you can't beat a best uh, fresh piece of blue cod. Doesn't end from the fish and chip shop or a restaurant. That is so true. Yeah, actually, overall, since uh, the nation came out of lockdown uh, back in June, how has the tourism industry been faring in Southland? Oh look, they we did it everywhere's done it pretty tough, obviously during lockdown. But coming out of um, lockdown and into June. The, everyone's really been keen to to get out and explore their backyard. You know that sentiment of supporting locals really really resonated, and um, we've seen that in particularly in that you know Queen's birthday weekend, and then on to the school holidays. Um, I think traditionally winter maybe Southland might not have been a traditional winter destination, but I think this year you've seen that been different, and the numbers have been quite good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I don't know if I was just extremely lucky, but when I was down in Southland in the heart of winter, it was remarkably mild and I managed to dodge any incoming snow showers or rain uh, remarkably well. It was like it was preordained for the dream winter trip. Um, So, even winter doesn't actually have to be horrendous in Southland, does it? No, it really doesn't. I think that's probably one of those, um, you know, misconceptions that people have is that the the winter down here we get snow. We actually don't have ski fields, but there's nothing better than those clear blue days. You might get a bit of frost in the morning, but you've got this beautiful outlook. And I think, you know, a lot of the things that you can do down here, whether it's um, your walks or the outdoor stuff, is actually probably better in winter if I had to. Like today, we've got cracker sunshine. It'd be a great day for a bike ride or a great day for a walk. And um, we have a saying within our team about it's not bad weather, it's just bad clothing choices. So I think probably the um, you just come prepared and you, you take what you can get and make the most of it particularly. Um, and I think that 
you know, a bit of rain's good on Stewart Island, that, you know, the tropical rainforest it needs and the waterfalls in, Stuart, uh, in Fiordland and things like that. So, yeah, no, I think it's a good kept secret. We're keen to tell people a little bit about it, but we don't want everyone clicking on. Now, that's very true. Of course, Invercargill is obviously the gateway to the wider region, and you've got a great airport. I would imagine, though, a lot of visitors do come to Southland as self-drive visitors. Yeah, that's a that that's a fair assumption. I think I'm um, being at the bottom of the South Island. We're a great um great option for that that drive market. Jump in the car, get in, and just explore. I think probably what I'd say to people is that they often we hear, you know, I should have spent another day. I should have planned for longer. And that's probably the the great part about being in a car is that you can you can explore a bit. You can get off the beaten track. Um, and you can, you know, we've got a we've got a really big geographical weather, so you could the road trip through the Catlins into Invercargill, then on to the Southern Scenic Route up to Western Southland into Tiana. It's just a, a magic drive and a, ga- a, ga- a great way to explore the area. Um, the flights, are, we've got, a, as you said, a really good airport that people can, um, there's direct flights from Auckland, Wellington and Christchurch, so it's really accessible. I think, um, you know, you could, you could with a direct flight from Auckland, you can leave Auckland at um, 12, uh, 10.30 and you could be in Oban in Short Island by um, 2.30, you know. It's, wow. it's um, quite hard to believe and I think people don't appreciate that um, it's accessible. And the other great thing is that, you know, with um, Milford Sound right on the doorstep, Invercargill is a great option. Fly into Invercargill, drive up to Milford, it's two hours. You don't have to go into Tiana and then up to Milford. You don't have to backtrack. You get to see a different part of the country. So I think that's a really, really good option for people. For those who are spending some time in Invercargill, they will notice um, quite a makeover underway to the central city with that massive retail development. How is that progressing? Oh, it's a, it's actually a really exciting space for us at the moment. The the heart of the city has been um, a city block's been demolished, and um, we were actually just talking um, recently. They have an archaeological um, team on site, and they're doing all the all the um, shops have been demolished. They've kept a few key, really key heritage. Um, buildings such as the South and Times facade and things like that, the ones that we can look after and preserve. But there's a real um, history under there. They've found a, um, some olives and they are from the 1800s. So there's some really interesting things happening. But um, I think, you know, the city is in a real transition space, if you like. In two years' time, it's going to be a really different spot. And there's going to be retail, there's going to be food. It's just going to have a real heart about it. So it's really exciting at the moment. There's street art and there's a funky space. And for kids, there's, um, you know, cranes and demo, demo work going on. So there's lots to watch and see. But I think, um, you know, in a couple of years' time, we're going to be in a really, really nice position with the architecture design type mall, not a not a Westfields type thing where actually you can walk and get some of that green space and things. It's, um, yeah, it's really exciting times for us today. Obviously, Kiwis love their cars, love their classic cars. In fact, any form of classic wheels, we seem to have a huge affinity for. And I think, you know, for first-timers to Invercargill, what truly blows people away is how your city is very much like the nation's garage with the most extraordinary collections in town. It really is quite remarkable, isn't it? Yeah, you'd think we were a city of um, petrol heads, really, to be honest. But I think if you built it, you made it, you can find it in Southland at the moment. Um, Transport World is just an amazing collection of of anything petrol related. I think the, th- the interesting thing about that one is it's not just you know it's not a particular make. It's US, it's America, uh, it's uh, Japanese. There's um, UK, but for someone like myself who doesn't have probably that um, the motoring type interest, if you like the the wearable arts and the the pedal cars and the Lego room, like all of that stuff's pretty incredible. And motorcycle Mecca, which is in town across from the new CBD development, like that. 
um, the George Begg collection there is just outstanding. And I think it's the stories that, you know, the Kiwi ingenuity, the the local things. It's it's not a museum. It's it's more like an art gallery. They've got just amazing, and they're just the care they've taken. And then you've got E. Hayes and Sons, the connection to the Burt Monroe um, the, the Indian store there, and I think you know that's a free thing for people to do. When I say to people, well, what should you do in Invercargill? I'm like, you must go to E. Hayes and Sons, and they're like, that's a hardware store. Bit bizarre, but it's totally worth a look. And if the ladies don't want that, there's beautiful giftware there, so it's certainly, um, certainly worth the worth the visit. Why do you think, Emma, Stewart Island is an essential experience for every New Zealander? What is it about that island? Look, I think um, Kiwis need to see it for themselves. I hate to think that it's a bucket list destination. I really think they should get out there and see it for themselves. If you fly over, you get a you get an idea of the magnitude of it. It's only thirty k's from a, a, you know kilometres from the bottom of Bluff, but if you fly in, it's the size of Singapore, and you know the the actual settlement is. Uh, a, 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 a small percentage of that. So I think it's just actually seeing that, you know, New Zealand perhaps how it once was, like those national forests are unreal, but the, um, you know, the beaches and the walks. And I think, you know, for a population of 400, the people were almost just worth the visit in itself aside from the natural wonders. Um, and I think that just that, you know, the dark sky sanctuary has got to be a selling point in itself, an island sanctuary where that, that night sky just comes to life, um, the Kiwi spotting the bird life. It's all... I really, really can't say it enough that people just need to do it now. They don't need to wait. You know, that it's not a bucket list place. Get on a ferry. The ferry, I mean, people are, do say, you know, the ferry, the journey there is an experience in itself. I've done the ferry. I've done the flying. And I think, um, you know, if you had the best of both worlds, you ferry one way and fly and get the both. I'd like a calm day across Bobo Strait. <laughs> Look, it's all part of the journey, as we'd say, but I've also said to them, those boats are purpose-built. They are made for that straight. And, um, the, yeah, it is. It's, a good, it's good fun. I mean, it's not for, um, not for the faint-hearted sometimes, but it's um, otherwise jump on a flight. Fantastic. Well, there is so much to see and do, um, and I hope that uh, all hardy Southlanders have a bumper spring and summer. The year is fast disappearing, which is possibly a good thing, uh, given how we will remember 2020. But Emma, thanks so much for joining us and uh, all the very best for a bumper season ahead. Hey, look, thanks very much, Mike. And we um, yeah appreciate your time. And hey, come back and visit us again. Certainly will. Thanks, Emma. Cheers. You're with Kiwi Tripsters as we complete this special episode on Southlands by heading to Stewart Island. Oh yes, Stewart Island had long been on my, I must do that one day list, Chris. Yeah. And finally, after we got out of nationwide lockdown in June, I thought, right, now's the time to head deep south to Stewart. Um, it absolutely is the sort of place that if you've got on your list, You've got to stop the dithering and head there. Okay. Olver Island is the Jill, right? It is a national treasure. Looks it beautiful. Absolutely uh, lives up to all expectations. It's like an open island sanctuary. Uh, it will puff you up in patriotic pride. Uh, it's like an island Eden, rat-free, and remarkably, it's been a protected reserve since the late 1890s. That was so visionary. The bird life is operatic. It's thick on the ground. It's diverse. It's the real Twitter sphere. So if you've been hanging out, you know, on Twitter too much, if you want to discover the real McCoy, 
of Ireland is it? It's like a walkthrough guide to New Zealand bird life. It's a head swirl. You'll see so many species up close. Kakariki, kaka, robin, oh. saddlebacks, yellowheads, mopok. I saw all of them in the space of about 10 minutes. Dumb question. How many people on the island? 400. In fact... And I bet you they're the happiest people alive too, right? They probably are. Fun mm. fact, there are 50 kiwi in Stewart Island for every person. That is a fun fact. Mm. And they just look at them, they don't do anything else. They certainly don't eat them. That's right. How good is the forest though, <laughs> right? It's incredible. It is like Gondwana land in miniature. I was guided by a chap called Matt Jones who hosted Prince Harry uh, at Olver five years ago and you'll come away in awe of his knowledge and the beauty of Olver's Potocarp Forest. So many forest giants are there from the ancient guys to regenerating adolescence. And actually, I learned um, how you can work out the age of a Rimu from Matt. If you can wrap your arms around the girth of a Rimu tree trunk mm-hmm. and, you know, both hands meet each other. It means you've got long arms. <laughs> well, that will mean. <laughs> you stopped you in your tracks, As I? it's a trusty rule of thumb, it would be 200 years old. <laughs> Sorry, I feel terrible because you. you I haven't a, got long arms. No, no, I just thought, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, did you spot any Stewart Island kiwis in daytime? Daytime, daytime, because they come out of the day, don't they? They do. Yeah. Well, actually, I met some amazing wildlife. Um, the best four-legged friend I came across was a dog called Gadget, uh, and Gadget is the only rodent. Detect a dog in the South Island. Wow. He sniffs out rats. In the South Island? In the South Island. Wow. So he sniffs out rats. He's there just to keep Olver Island particularly rat free. Um, But I reckon we could perhaps redeploy Gadget to sniff out rodents in our MIQ facilities, you know, that perhaps might be trying to get in or out. I think um, Gadget could have a job there. In terms of the Kiwi, though, the amazing thing about Kiwi and Stewart Island, a lot of them are diurnal. Word of the day, diurnal, which means that they will forage not just at night time, but in daylight hours, mm. which is absolutely remarkable. I wonder if that's because of the limited amount of people. It is. They're fearless. So they just don't mind. Yeah. That's cool. They have nothing to be scared of. Um, and there's actually more kiwi than weka in Stewart Island. So they really do rule the roost. Um, and Stewart Island is home to about a third of all of our Kiwi. Uh, 20,000 of them, I believe, is uh, what the last head count suggested. And they grow them really big, really big Kiwi. If you want to go and see the biggest Kiwi, go out at night to a place called Mamaku Point, which isn't actually that far from the main town, Oban, on Stewart Island. Two Female Kiwi walked right across my feet. Wow. That's how fearless they are. And um, one mama sort of stopped and had a bit of a poke around with her massive beak at my foot. Didn't take kindly to it. And kept wondering. Uh, Probably amazing experience. What amazing experience it was. Very patriotic. Hospitality. Well, the fabulous South Sea Hotel is the beating heart of the island. And fresh out of the ocean, the the seafood is virtually still flipping. The blue cod is beyond legendary. You'll hear all sorts of tales about how big the blue cod can get in the waters around Stewart Island. But it is 
massively proportioned and a must on the menu. In fact, the biggest seller at the South Sea Hotel is their seafood chowder, which is generally a combination of ocean fresh mussels, shrimps and blue cod in a creamy base served with ciabatta. I'm hungry now. Now, did you fly or float over Fovo Strait? It's a great question, Chris, because you'll hear a lot of people say, for God's sake, don't take the ferry because that body of water between the South Island and Stewart can be really gnarly, uh, way worse than Cook Strait. So I chickened out and I took the plane. It's a silky smooth 20-minute flight from Invercargill to Stewart Island. You land on what they call like a tabletop runway, so it's sort of built up in the hills. It's quite a cool airstrip. Um, But it really is an amazing realm for a true New Zealand escape. Whether you take the ferry or take the plane, you must get to Stewart Island. How many days do you reckon you could spend there, by the way? Well, most locals reckon you need at least four days to somewhat scratch the surface. Um, I think a lot of people are amazed at the sky. And as much as the Mackenzie region is, Mm. you know, accredited as an international dark sky reserve, Stewart Island recently received the same accreditation as an international dark sky sanctuary. And um, interestingly, the Māori were onto it. Their name for Stewart Island is Rakaura, which translates as the land of glowing skies. Well, there Bingo. you go. Bingo indeed. Oh, well, listen, thank you so much for joining us on this edition of Kiwi Tripsters. Be sure to like our Facebook page. And of course, Mike's got all the show notes there available on the website at kiwitripsters.co.nz. Indeed, and we would love you to rate and review Kiwi Tripsters on the podcast service of your choice. We hope to catch you again in a couple of weeks' time for a fresh episode. And that's a wrap for this episode of Kiwi Tripsters. Liked what you listened to? Then join us for our next episode of Kiwi Tripsters, where we bring you more travel inspiration, giveaways, and insider knowledge with expert guests on the show. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram, and visit us on kiwitripsters.co.nz. But most importantly, subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts, and tell us what you think of our show. Till next time, safe travels. Safe travels.